Welcome to episode 49 of the Two on Three podcast, where two of your friends take on three topics in 30 minutes. I'm Ty. You can find me offering my tears for fears at SEATJK. And with me, as always, is Chris. Where do you rule the world, Chris? I rule the world at CD Villasenor on the Twitter. And uh, nice Tears for Fears reference. I haven't thought about that. Uh, I haven't thought about Tears for Fears in a good long while. Well, it's become a personal favorite at bedtime uh, for my younger daughter. Oh, really? Yeah, I've been uh, fe- like seeding in the 80s music here and there. <laughs> Trying They've to make latched cool. onto a few. <laughs> good for them. God bless. We'll come back to that in our second topic tonight. Sure. So interact with the show on Twitter at 2on3pod or hit us up via email at at 2on3pod.com. You know how much we love to hear from you. Tonight, as on most nights, we're taking a look at the world we consume and wondering what's, what kind of influence it's exerting over us, over you, on you, on <laughs> me. <laughs> over us? Are we going to use all the prepositions at this point? I've said too much. <laughs> Topic one, just like too much porn can ruin your sex life, we'll explore the impact of media on your home cook life and perhaps... How acute that becomes during the holidays. Wait a minute. Porn can ruin your sex life? Your That's what people life? tell me. I mean, I don't have this problem. Listen, if it wasn't for porn, I wouldn't know what to have to do. I mean, this is... The, this is okay. Are we sidebarring <laughs> early? Let's sidebar early on to porn. Here's the thing. Most people can't come up with good stuff to do in bed just on their own. That's true. Right? Yeah. It just, I mean, if you're just, if you're just people and you're just like, okay, without the influence of We'll have the example of professionals, people who are working at the top of their game. Like, how are you supposed to, as a regular person, come up with new stuff to do in and around the bedroom with your loved one? Books. Books? (laughs) What, the Kama Sutra? You're going to pull that thing out? That's like, what, ancient Sanskrit sex hieroglyphics? No. You need people who work in the industry on a daily basis to show you, I mean, obviously... You know, I don't have that kind of stretch move. I don't have the, you know, I might not have like the flex, general flexibility or, you know, or, you know, professional tools. Yeah, no pile driver in the Villa Senor household. There's this, 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 there, are pro, <laughs> there are professional tool sets that those people work with that perhaps sure. I'm not working with. But what's nice about porn is that it gives you maybe some, you know, some, some avenues to think, oh, you know what? Maybe I could kind of do that. Maybe I could go this direction. Maybe I could mix it up and like, you know, the order. I could, you know, shuffle the deck a little bit. These are important things to know. Happen. It's like when you, you do the the, uh, the moderate yoga video and they're like, oh, if you can't quite do it, do it like this. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Here's your alteration you can make. You can make like a, a little, yeah. So, for beginners. So whoever whoever came up with this here, this whole porn is ruining your home sex life, <clears throat> those people are wrong. Yeah, for some of us, it's, it's, it's an integral part of making... Making, uh, making innovate, you know, a pathway to innovation. Well, not to suck all the air out of your balloon, but I think that that's like <laughs> most things in that most people can handle most things, and there's just quite a few people who can't handle anything. True, and they're ruining it for everybody. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's correct. Right, those are the people who gamble too much, who drink too much, right. who smoke too much, right. who porn too much. Yeah, yeah, moderation, people. Yeah, man. Ben Franklin, he he knew what was up. Knew what was up. <laughs> And he watched so much porn. Yeah. He made, made it. He was making it. <laughs> you want to tell me that there was at no point Ben Franklin wasn't standing back directing people? <laughs> that for sure was happening. Yeah. They had to get somebody <laughs> to make like charcoal sketches of it, though. Yeah, exactly. Like a, like a flip book. 
Yeah, yeah draw like, this on this hide. <laughs> hold, hold this post. I'm going to draw you on this hide. Yeah, on the back of the Declaration of Independence, total like porn. <laughs> like on the back of it. 100%. Not like that Nick Cage business. Like there's no secret codes on the back. It's just dirty pictures on the back of that. Okay, so now I have actually a fun idea for a porno, National Treasure, but the back of the declaration is like this key, like it's a, it's a it's some sort of super pornographic image that everyone is seeking. It's a, that's a easy, that's a layup. They're probably making that now at wicked.com as we speak. <laughs> You're telling on yourself now, buddy. <laughs> oh, so in topic 2, we'll unearth some unearth some gems from our automated music creation algorithms and see what demons lie within. And in topic three, we'll talk about how PETA is more like PCTA with their new animal positive colloquialisms. <laughs> They're the worst. Anyway. That joke was the worst. That, uh, uh, PETA's actually worse than that joke. That's how bad they are. <laughs> their message is a little blunt, huh? Yeah, well, we'll get to it. All right. In the OT, we'll marvel at some uniforms and check in on some old favorites from the past. But actually, before we get to our topics, I do have a question for you. Sure. Uh, timely for me. Do your kids have nicknames? Mm, not really. No. You never gave your children my, nicknames? No. My my daughter has shortened versions of her, her long name, which sure. work. My son right. has no nicknames. He's just no. who he is. Where you caught the where you parked the car, boo boo. It's not happening for you. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not really. Okay. Not really. Why do you 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 are you struggling with nicknames or you Oh, I'm not struggling. No, like they you came very that, naturally. Yeah. 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 And like t- almost we say them too much, I would say. Like it's my younger daughter particularly um we call her Boogie more than we call her her actual name. <laughs> <laughs> Boogie. Yeah. Well, that's funny because um my daughter reinvented herself at one point and all her friends call her by her full name in in middle school now. Oh. So well, there's, there's, she's, fa- she's fancy. No, there's there's some that carry over, but for the most part, they all call her by her her full and proper name. Right on. Just the thing. And then my older daughter wasn't being very cooperative when I was picking her up the other day from school. And I have a nickname for her that she doesn't like, which is Gooch or Magooch. <laughs> Magooch. Yeah, Magooch. And Gooch for short, obviously. Uh, and so... To let her know I was serious, I sort of called lightly across the room, loud enough that anyone who was listening to me speak would have heard it, but not, not loud enough that anybody who wasn't listening would have caught on. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, let's pick it up, Gooch. And she like kind of snapped her head around at me like, don't say that here. <laughs> That's a home nickname, Dad. That's that right. That's a home nickname. That is not a public nickname. I got a lot, though, man. We use, you know, I like, I make puns, too, obviously. I, um, one of my favorites is Hans Goober. So if you're being a goober, <laughs> Hans Goober. All right. I just thought I thought maybe you had nicknames, and I apparently I'm just a weirdo. So I just wanted to know I, how I weird think once I am. You, once, I think once you get to past two nicknames, I think you've I think perhaps you've crossed a line. Well, so the interesting thing is that it's the two that I mentioned first are are the actual nicknames. Those are the ones that you know, I might actually say instead of your name. But I just am inventing them like on the fly all the time. Right. I realize now, as I say it out loud, that I maybe I shouldn't insult my children when I speak to them constantly. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should use more positive terms. Like, I call my kids goons all the time. <laughs> right. That's but that's fine. Okay, so this are. is this is in that vein. Right. Yeah. You, you want to give them you want to give them some love on the other end of that though, somewhere along the line. Oh, before, always, always. Before they go to bed, <laughs> you don't want to send them to bed with a big insult. 
All right. Well, I just thought I'd check in with you on this. Uh, fair <laughs> enough. All right. So topic one, you wanted to talk about uh, the impact of competition cooking and cooking TV on our real lives at home. Hence my porn metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> so the so I was reading this article where this guy says, here's an interesting thing from a diet perspective. He said, you can eat anything you want as long as you cook it yourself. And I thought to myself, well, this is interesting because most modern people, now, not, again, this is a broad brush, but I think a lot of people eat out a lot or they eat pre Does that include cold cuts? I need to know. (laughs) (laughs) No. You have to take raw ingredients and turn them into food. So I have to like make a cold cut. You have, right, you have to make. You have to buy I a raw have to ham. Buy a meat slicer is what's <laughs> going to have to happen here. Honestly, no. He said. He said you could eat anything you want, as long as you cook it yourself. And I thought that was pretty interesting. This is a pretty interesting concept. And then I thought to myself, why don't more people cook? They don't have time or whatever. But part of me was thinking. Part of my head went, you know, people really love like, English baking, the English baking contest, mm-hmm. and and they love Food Network and Iron Chef, and I love all that stuff, I might too, have watched chopped. an entire season of whatever the holiday bake-off one is <laughs> in one night the other day, just because right. it was on the TV, and I just sort of didn't change the channel, and suddenly it was midnight, and I was like, well, I've, I've come this far. <laughs> I might as well see who wins the entire I season. I need to see it. And then I fell asleep during the last episode. <laughs> and I had to look it up on the internet the next morning. That's which is great. such an old man move. <laughs> but and I was thinking, once you're filling your head full of this stuff, like, oh, I, I need to be able to make a... I need to go buy some exotic cookbook or some some Iron Chef cookbook and make the kind of stuff they do. I think it holds people back from just making food. Okay. And I think that... that um, that when people can't make it grand, perhaps they were perhaps they stopped themselves from making it at all, thinking that you know basic cooking is is fine for most nights, for most families, for most people. Sure, but people tend to want to fancy it up, right? And I think that I think that when you get into when you're when you're especially around the holidays, yeah, I think I think people are like, well, what would make that? extra special or what would make that pop where people i think just want something hot and good to eat i don't think you need to double wow them all the time and i find myself sinking into that myself mm-hmm. every now and again i think that wow i could just i should just make something and what i should just use what i got mm-hmm. and at home at, like on yeah. a, you mean like on a day-to-day basis yeah like on a day-to-day basis like why wouldn't i just use the food i have at home in the freezer, whatever. I mean, do you, I mean, do you guys do a lot of takeout or? Yeah, we we do. I mean, again, we're semi busy taking kids sure. here and there. Yeah, but, no, I, I, no but, judgment. I'm just asking yeah, for, but for context. If but if you're going to spend ninety minutes in a restaurant or sixty minutes in a restaurant, mm-hmm. I mean, I could cook. A, I could cook a meal in sixty minutes. You know, yeah, it wouldn't be. Again, but it wouldn't be Iron Chef, <laughs> but it would no, be... come on. Gourmet cooking is for people without children. I don't know, like, <laughs> or grown children. Like, I'll get back to it, but right now, man, I'm just trying to bust some stuff out, so I can't relate to this idea of need to be fancy at all. Really? You don't, you, you don't, you don't feel the need to, you don't feel the need to, to sort of go big or go home kind of... If a, I'm, like, hosting, and I mean, like, yeah, I guess you're talking about the holidays, sure. Um, I might do something special, but that's what... We talked about a little bit last time when we talked about holiday dishes is that you said you kind of have to do everything. And I think that's why we've always gone with the potluck style, which is just, 
do one thing and knock it out. But you're right in the sense that I think people just want something that's hot and salty, but not too salty and not dry. I think if you can hit those beats, it doesn't really matter what else you're serving. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's just uh, maybe it's just me. Do you think that? Uh, I think about those home improvement shows and those sure. kinds of things as well. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, I know you're kind of a fix it up kind of guy. Do I you am. get Do you get in that mode where where hey, I could fix this up, but I could fix it up either most of the way I want it or all the way I want it and go full fancy. I mean, houses may be a little bit different. Yeah. But I feel that people probably get that same twinge, right? You see those flip or flop kind of house things. You think, oh, these people can these people can totally make over their house in two and a half weeks. I mean, I should be able to do whatever it is around the house that I want to do. I mean, here, I mean, I, I hear you coming from on this, but at the same time, like the house is like there's a permanence to it. So yes, the perfectionism does come out when it's the food. It's like if you fuck it up, you're just gonna have to cook again tomorrow. So don't get too don't take it too seriously. <laughs> Don't get bent out of shape about it. Yeah. I think that if you have the time to do the cooking like that, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I honestly feel like the world I live in doesn't resemble the one I grew up in in very many ways. And I don't really understand how where the time has gone to some extent, like how it, this these kinds of things, which didn't seem to be insurmountable in the past, now seem very difficult. And I don't know if it's just that... I, I feel like I've gotten less efficient as I'm getting older. Like I used to feel like I used to be able to do stuff faster. I, I'm not sure. That, and it, this, that's interesting. That's interesting. It's like maybe there's an efficiency aspect to the whole thing. Like maybe my mom had it wired in a way that that we don't have it wired. There's something we're missing. Something. Yeah. Like two working, two full-on working parents. Yes. Versus versus you know a what we might consider quote unquote the traditional dad works mom stays home but mom can sort of square away some stuff right and get the ball rolling by the time everybody gets the house gets all whatever by six o'clock things are things are happening but now when everybody busts in the door about six (laughs) o'clock things get a little sketchy right well yeah i just think you know the cooking for me there's like a there's like a lack of payoff for it um where I'm going to have to put 40 minutes in, you know, to get this dinner on the table. And then we're going to sit here for like 12 to 18 (laughs) minutes, right? Three minutes to eat this. Right. If I'm lucky. Yeah. So I, I, for me, and that's, I've always had a problem with that. And it's funny that you bring this up because I have this existential battle with, with meal planning. Like I can't, I just, I'm, I'm defeated by it already. Like just God, can't the food just show up from somewhere? I, I can't deal with this. <laughs> can I hook up with with one of those meal creation services that drop ships that crap? To your you know, I probably door? could, except my kids wouldn't eat it. So I just I'm stuck in this vortex of you know I'm I'm in the chicken nugget vortex, man. I don't eat that all the time, but chicken I almost, nugget mac and cheese. It's it's way too many times. We eat a lot of breakfast for dinner. We rotate a lot of kid friendly meals, and you know, I it, it's also about like how much time do you're going to spend prepping, and and where is that time going to come from? Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. The uh you know, we we were always pretty good about just making the kids eat what we ate. So we yeah. don't we don't short order, you know, it's like if we're making if we're making whatever, that's what's getting served. And sure. if you don't want to eat it, you know, you're gonna go hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I've had my I've had I've had best intentions on that as well. I know. But that's it's hard because at some point, you know, the kids are gonna just if they're gonna freak out about it, then you don't wanna 
you know, you don't want to, you just got to ease them in somehow. Yeah. You got to find, you know, find the Chinese takeout that, that they, they like. Oh, for sure. No, whatever. we're working our way into it. Um, especially with our older daughter. Like there's just, there's a little bit of rules around dinner time and at least trying things and, and stuff like that. And very frequently lately, I'm like, just try this and actually got her to do it. And then she's into it. And so mm-hmm. that's, it's been expanding quickly in that fashion. So it's just, it's getting over that mental hump. I don't know. At some point, they just built a wall around what they were willing to try. You just gotta, so, you just gotta gamble here and there, yeah, right? Brick by brick, right? It's coming down. Yeah. <laughs> and like I said, I think it comes down to, you know, when you're working and and everybody's sort of flying around, it could very, very quickly fall apart. Sure. I've noticed that you've posted more food things on the internet lately, um, and you've been doing a lot of sous vide. So, explain to me how it is that you're able to cook something for two and a half hours because like I've tried to do it a couple of times. We have one and I'm oh, just yeah? like, I have to, I, how do I, I can't, I can't plan this well enough in advance. <laughs> like what the fuck? I can't. This is, this is definitely a Saturday kind of thing. This is definitely, you have to have, you have to have a little bit of time, but what the nice part about sous vide cooking. So for people who don't know, sous vide cooking is um, a hot water bath mm-hmm. and I, and it works really great with meat mm-hmm. because you can just, like a steak, you can just run it up to temperature. So if you have a big monster steak like I had on my birthday, mm-hmm. uh, you basically vacuum, you vacuum seal it with salt, and, you salt and pepper, put some butter in the thing, you put some parsley or some, some rosemary in the bag, you vacuum seal it, and then you just dunk it in this hot water bath. Mm-hmm. And the hot water bath is 125 degrees, so you just dump it in there, and you just leave it, knowing full well that... Your meat's never going to get warmer than 125 degrees ever. Mm-hmm. So now you can just go about doing all the rest of the stuff you have to do. Uh, after at least 40 minutes, 45 minutes, you can pull it and start doing other things. But if you don't have to, you can just leave it in the hot water bath and it just kind of chills or well, warms. But it's, but it's always the same temperature. And then when you're ready to do it, you just rip it out of the bag and you sear both sides. You sear it in a hot cast iron pan mm-hmm. and then you rest it and it's ready to eat so the nice thing about it is you don't have to worry about it it's sort of like roasting it except you don't have to it doesn't brown the meat which is the only right the thing you have to do at the end now you gotta sear it yeah but it's but it always turns out really tender and really good so if you i mean that's the kind of thing i would start with is a steak or some pork yeah. chops or meat like that and then mm-hmm. when you, you just get it up to whatever about the done temperature is and then you sear it off, rest it, and then everything. It's I think it's much easier to time a meal if you've if you've got if you're using if you're using the sous vide. Fair enough. But if you have one, it, you, you, eggs people love. Sous vide I think this eggs. is why I don't use it is because I was really interested in making sous vide eggs as uh-huh. part of what I wanted to do when we first got it, and I spent the better part of a morning sous videing eggs, and then not really getting it right, but not wanting to throw away, throwing away. So I had a bit of a cool hand Luke situation <laughs> about halfway through the day. I'm like, I think I've eaten like 10 eggs. I got to stop. I'm going to get sick. <laughs> 148 degrees. Perfect sous vide egg. Okay. Good to 40 know. 40 minutes. 148. You 40 minutes. It. See who has time for, I don't have time. 40 minutes well, to wait here's for the eggs. Thing. If you do it, the, if you do it right off the bat, if it's the first thing you do is light up the sous vide, dunk your eggs in, and then, start making the rest of breakfast by the time you cook bacon by the time you you know do all the other stuff around breakfast you just crack those poached eggs right out onto the plate it's the most amazing thing 
Yeah, I, you're probably right. And I guess I'm just so conditioned to do it backwards, which is do the eggs last because I, right as everything else comes to temperature, I want to cook the eggs because it's only going to take about six minutes. Right. Yeah. So you, you got to flip the script on that. All right. All go. right. Well, moving on, um, we're going to talk a little bit about the automated feed we're getting from our custom music subscription services and what that says about us. I'll let you begin. Well, back in the day, remember, did, do people have TiVo still? Remember back in the day when I still TiVo have a TiVo. Came? You still have a TiVo? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does, it still, does it still curate for you? It Those does. I never, ever use it, that part. Uh, the best no, thing I can no, say about no. TiVo, I know it's not what we're talking about, is just that it has um, a unified menu for every streaming service. Oh. That's yeah, the only reason I still have it. Is because everything I get, use shows up in the one menu. Yeah, but they used to curate, right? Sure, no, they still famous, do. I just never use it. <laughs> there was this famous. There was this famous article written. I think it was the Wall Street Journal that says my TiVo thinks I'm gay. Okay. So there was this whole. Counter- I think I recall this. <laughs> where, where this guy's trying to counter program his 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 TiVo, but what's funny is um, we I started using Apple Music because every one of my family is listening to music. You know, with their devices, so I figured, ah, whatever, fifteen mm-hmm. bucks, fifteen bucks a month, or whatever it costs, fourteen bucks a month. You know, it's the cost of one CD per. So I thought, okay, since we're all using it, my daughter really loves new music, so she can listen to everything, and I don't have to worry about buying stuff anymore. So it's just like, it's done. Just listen to the whole world of music. But I realized um, just recently that on Tuesdays, Apple Music kicks to me this favorites mm-hmm. a playlist just for me i'm gonna go to my playlist here real quick okay and just and just you know you're describing something that's been on spotify for quite a while though i know okay. i know but what's funny is what's funny about this particular thing is it pulls music that i like but i haven't listened to in forever interesting and i have no idea how it does this i don't have any clue there so Obviously, my favorites mix has there's a Taylor Swift song and a One Direction song. There's a Billy Joel song in here, and I really like Billy Joel. And I, but I would never put it on a playlist. But the fact that it showed up on this playlist, I was like very happy that it was on here. So that's a little different than what I thought you were describing. Because no, it's pulling stuff from. It pulled the Click Five for me. I can't tell you the last time I listened to a Click Five. And this song. is music that's in your library. It's. Some of it's not. Some of it's streaming. Yeah, I don't, but I haven't streamed. I, it it pulled more than a feeling by Boston. I love that song. I have not listened to that song in like on purpose. Like I've never. I I don't think I've probably ever pulled it up on an iPad or an iPod or anything. And so, yet here and yet here it is. I have no idea how it. I don't. This is the magic of this. Is what I'm saying is. That it's more than just, here's stuff you always listen to, let me regurgitate it for you. Apple's found a way to pull shit that, like, I have no idea how it pulled it. My hypothesis would be is that they're including in their recommendations algorithm total listens. They probably have data on how many times you've played an individual track. So even if you haven't listened to it in 10 years, if you listen to it 20 times in a single year, eight years ago... And you listen like, to something that has similarities to it, the way the other algorithms work and the other music services, they're probably combining that with your old play count to but pull I'm, tracks. Yeah. Uh, but I'm amazed by it. Like maybe it's it pretty took, solid. Like, like it pulled my old iTunes plays. Uh huh. Yeah, that would be my guess. 
I just I think it's just the best. I was I've I've been thrilled by it. I think it's uh, I think we talk about you know we've been talking about how marketing should be more like this. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing this as a I'm weirded out by it. I'm doing this as it's amazing. Like, yeah, it it has really found things that I want to li- that I love listening to that I wouldn't pull myself, and I think that's. There's a lot of value in that. I would, I mean, I look at this big box of CDs that's out in the garage all the time. I don't ever open it, mm-hmm. but it's in a clear tub. There's like just a, out in one of the shelves in the garage. There's a huge Tupperware full of, I don't know, 300 jewel cases. Okay. That, and and then two giant books that have like 200 CDs in them a piece. <laughs> and I look at it almost every day. And I think, and there's like a, like a soul coughing record on the outside that I see all the time. And I'm like... I like that album. Do I ever, ever, ever pull it out of there and listen to it? Yeah. Would you reach for it and play it somewhere? Where would I play it? What the hell? I don't have a CD player. <laughs> you don't have a CD player available I, have, I mean, I have all? my computer, wow. but I don't have like a stereo of any kind that plays CDs. I guess I have a DVD player that's connected to the sound bar on the TV. Oh, yeah, that would probably do it. But yeah. still, it's a lot. It's a lot to do. I would. Why don't I just look the songs up on my Sonos and play it? <laughs> play it wirelessly immediately right right but yeah. but that that the thing about this particular no pulling the like, favorites the old school stuff i am with you on this i think uh, you know apple's done it apple's done a scary and amazing thing by <laughs> I, it seems as though they pluck it right from my head which is the best part which is the, really the magic of it I think it just shows you they've been collecting data on you for much longer than you ever realized well that's probably <laughs> true and uh but I'm okay with it. Yeah, I haven't. I I have nothing but good things to say about Discover Weekly on Spotify. So every week, um, they they get a new track list that is based on sort of it's 30 songs. It's kind of based on my listening habits. Mm-hmm. So it can get a little screwy sometimes if I like want to listen to something too many times. Or if I'm playing stuff for the kids on my account, it'll mm-hmm. it'll get a little sideways every once in a while. But it's pretty good about like. I think it's also because of how I curate my music, the way I pull stuff into playlists. I think it takes that into account. What do you, what have you added to playlists? Um, so it works pretty well. But yeah, so I was telling you, and the reason I mention that is because lately I've been playing a lot of 80s music for the kids. And so it, it has been popping in like um, just every once on an older song, an actual 80s track, like you were saying, like more than a feeling. I, I, I struggle to come up with an immediate example, unfortunately. But I also like it stuff like... A, Prince track from a 2015 album that I didn't really even know existed mm-hmm. and it's awesome and I really like it so it, it's feeding me new stuff that is not necessarily new so I'm getting new music but it's just new to me right. and it might be from any era and it's really weird because what it's done is mean I mean this this splintering of music in this way has made it so I don't know the timing of anything and it no longer matters. Right. And that's a really weird thing because music is so tied to memory and like your moments in time that you remember in your life that it's still going to do that for me, but no longer in conjunction when it, with when it was actually released. Right. It's filling gaps in for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you like this. You like this artist. You like this type of song. Here's another song that's sort of like that. Here, let me feed it to you. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I, you know, I'm thrilled by it. And, uh, I would actually like to have something that was pulling stuff that I have listened to in the past. Like, sure. here's a lit song you listened to 150 <laughs> times in 2002. <laughs> I hit the city by three and the bottle by four. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there Absolutely. it is. 
that's the only lit song that comes to mind. Those are, <laughs> what was the big famous lit song? Uh, what you make me come, you make me complete. No, the uh, one where where he's he's uh, oh, forget it. Oh, my own worst enemy. My own worst enemy. Yes, that one. Anyway, they had a good two years of whatever. Sure. They had good sideburns. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. I wouldn't recognize any of those guys on the street at, a, at all. I have no. no. I don't. But anyway, that was a. You know, those were the those were the days, right? When you had to buy a CD and then yeah. like listen. It was to the it. worst. Oh, here's your... here's seventeen dollars and oh, only two songs are good. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> but but I'm gonna listen to it uh, through it in its entirety at least two or three times because goddamn it. And then regret it and put it in the shelf to never be touched again, except right. for when I pull it to do a mix later. And, and now it's sitting in a in a container store container in your garage. Yeah. I like yeah your music collections. Like I'm actually collecting this band's records. Like I have all of the records and multiples of the same song for some reason. Because this one's from Japan. <laughs> the Japan release. Yeah. Oh god, that's that's some real that's some real deep. It's uh, funny because I enjoy me- more music now for sure. Um, way more, different kinds, different artists, but in a very different, fundamentally different way than I ever did. In the past. Yeah, because you can pluck it from wherever. I For mean, sure. that's the and you can pluck it whenever you want. And well, and the side benefit of all the '80s music is now I um hi, I have uh, higher love karaoke ready. Right, <laughs> that's a new one for me. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll, I can't wait to hear it. It's 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 interesting because it's a mimicry, right? Because I can't. My voice doesn't sound like Steve Winwood. Sure. So it's like think about. I can't do it. <laughs> not, not on demand. <laughs> You have to warm into that one. Yeah, yeah. It takes a little bit of. I got a little. There's a little local warm up for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's funny because it pulled for me recently a couple of uh, Beyonce tracks. I know last week you said you didn't want to get on the bad side of the Bayhive, but uh, I don't like Beyonce music. <laughs> My God, <laughs> did you just say that on an open mic? <laughs> not, not Chris. Wasn't Chris? <laughs> not Chris. I don't hate it. I just, I don't think I've ever like gone and put it on. Although I did see the Captain Marvel trailer remix with Survivor Epic Edition, and it is better. <laughs> so check that out if you saw the Captain Marvel trailer last week okay. or this week. Okay. I like the uh, I like the Sasha Fierce record. I agree. Yeah. That band, the band, it's and it's really about that band because it's a it's a live band record, mm. and the and it's all women. And all those women absolutely kill. And any of the live stuff that you can pull from YouTube from that era, from the Sasha Fierce stuff, is just off the chain. Amazing. Amazing players. And I think it's it's not, and for me, it's not because of Beyonce. It's because of that band. They were amazing. Well, I didn't want to run too long on the music topic, but I did have one more question for you. Sure. So, also been introducing my kids to, and not really intentionally but around halloween i think we just put thriller on like the whole 14 minute video yeah is it, it's not scary for your kids yeah i'm not a very good parent when it comes to that kind of thing because <laughs> <laughs> i remember being pretty s- creeped out by it and s- slightly even scared by it even as a middle school a sixth or seventh well so the gooch is a little grade. macabre like she she likes the okay she likes the kind of scary stuff she just is into it mm-hmm. um her little sister, she's definitely too young, but, but 
I don't know. Like we had been working our way. She wanted the older one wanted to watch uh, Harry Potter, and so we'd been winding our way through that. And about you know three quarters of the way in, it gets really serious, and the yeah. movies become PG thirteen. Right. And I'm essentially letting a four year old watch it. Yeah, the first two go pretty breezy. Yeah. The first then, one in particular is like very. Uh, it's almost like an eighties kids movie. It's very strange. Yeah. 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 And then, but with, I think that that my thriller problem mm-hmm. is basically a holdover echo from um, American Werewolf in London. Sure, because the the wolf transformation in 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 thriller is done by the same guys who did. Right. It, did. That part is pretty intense. And it's yeah, yeah. It's it's very very, uh, and especially. I, as traumatized as I was by, by by American Werewolf in London, yeah, Thriller sort of gave me gave me those kind of same sort of scary feelings. Well, my mom took me to see Gremlins when I was four, and I turned out fine. <laughs> <laughs> fine, well, all right. all rel- it's all relative. Um, did you know that the, the you remember rather that the Thriller video starts with a disclaimer? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and like it says, we don't like the occult. There's like an yeah. Occult it says disclaimer. due to my strong personal convictions, I wish to stress that this film in no way endorses a belief in the occult. Michael yeah. Jackson. Perfect. I just, it's crazy to me that that was a necessary thing <laughs> in the '80s. Hey, hey, I just want you to know, I'm, uh, I'm not, I'm not serious about this werewolf well, shit. Well, people still, people still get bent out of shape about it to this very day. I don't understand that. Okay. Yeah. Thirty relate. years later. 35 years later. (laughs) 35 years later. All right. Topic three. Um, We're going to talk about PETA. PETA released some guidelines for, uh, what are they calling it? Don't use anti-animal language. Don't use, yes. Don't use anti-animal language. They don't, they want you to stop using animal cruel language. For example, instead of saying kill two birds with one stone, they'd like you to say feed two birds with one scone. I gotta be honest. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> you do. I just it's think it's better. Killing. It's cleaner. It just—I don't care about that. I mean, what? who wants to kill birds? <laughs> People do all the time. I know. What? You don't eat chicken? Yeah, but I don't like hit them with stones. Although, I mean, look, there's there's something to be said for both sides of this. First, feed two birds with one scone is just—it's a nice dad joke on top of the (laughs) (laughs) maybe as dad joke substitution okay so the next one is like no like if you hold on hold on no i'm not ready to move off the scone thing because there's useful here we're gonna go to the park and i'm like why don't you feed two birds with one scone (laughs) (laughs) listen if you go to the puyallup fair and buy that scone don't feed it to the birds because you'll be out like eight dollars (laughs) fifty cents And I have to respect though, kill two birds with one stone, because like if I, I'm thinking of like a little, like if you had a sling, you know, like I think you, you with a, not a slingshot, but like an actual sling where you throw, you spin a rock around like David and Goliath shit. Mm. And if you could actually kill two birds with that, I think you should brag about it. I couldn't agree <laughs> with you more. And I think this is this is this whole thing is basically an example of Peta pissing into the wind, right? Of course, like. That's they they want, do, they're, they're trying to be they're trying to make you aware. So the next one is instead of be the guinea pig, be the test tube. Yeah, I, I can't get with this one. I, I don't the, think that it doesn't work. This doesn't work. All right. Instead of beat a dead horse, feed a fed horse. 
there's more feeding here it's a c minus like it's not good but it's <laughs> i mean at least it makes I, I want it to at least make sense right so i'm evaluating it on just if you're going to offer this replacement does it at least match and make the same point but what if someone corrected you it's like ah, do we have to beat a dead horse and someone says no could you we could feed a fed horse this would you would you slap them I'd give him the okay sign and just wink at him. <laughs> right on. And we just move, we just keep going. No, you would you do this. <laughs> you would you would openly mock them. Thumbs and, down. You would give a raspberry a noise down and a raspberry noise. <laughs> if someone said this to you, you would have no patience for this at all. This is the one that this is the one that that uh, that gets me the most. Said, bring home the bacon. Instead of using bring home the bacon, say bring home the bagels. Well, that's just anti-Semitism. <laughs> <laughs> I like bacon. I'm going to continue to bring it home. I hope... I, I, I'm amazed and elated every time bacon comes home. It's, it's great. Take the bull by the horns. Take the flower by the thorns. I mean, you know, every rose has its thorn. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. The... Taking the bull by the horns is not, is not, is that being cruel to the bull or is that just being stupid by you because the bull's probably going to kill you? Yeah, I think it's the second thing, first of all. Um, it's, not and a, it's not an animal cruelty thing at all. No, it's like feats of strength. You know, it's like, it's a Hercules thing. Like it, this, this one doesn't need to be replaced. Cause so I got real problems with this one. Cause first of all, you don't need to replace this one for the reasons you already mentioned. It's not animal cruelty invoking and it is, um, it's metaphorical enough that it's just not something you need to concern yourself with. Um, and I do think it does come from some sort of hero's tale I, 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 that it derives from sort of some sort of hero's, hero's tale. Probably. Yeah. Probably some hero's tale. And but if it's you take, not, the, go, sorry, go ahead. No, but it's just, it's, it's not an animal cruelty thing. It's not like I'm going to poke the bull's eyes out with a stick. Right. <laughs> it's not like that. No, it's not like, yes go be a peccadillo and jab the bull in the back with the long spear in order to weaken it so the matador can later thrust a sword into its heart. Right. This is not a bullfighting reference. Is no, it? this is not. not a, this is not a Spanish bullfighting. But the real problem thing. I have with it is, like I said, that the replacement does not actually make the same point. So, like, taking the bull by the horns, is it? I'm offering you a challenge. You don't want to accept it, but there's no other choice, right? It sort of implies that you have no other options. But right. to, this is your last ditch effort. I'm going to grasp this and try to save my own life. Take the flower by the thorns is just something a moron does. <laughs> <laughs> like put on some gloves or tri right. or trim it. Like what the fuck are you doing? I'm just grab it. Like <laughs> why don't you take this flower by the thorns? Oh, we had this giant rose bush in our yard, and I these thorns are a motherfucker. You don't don't touch those things. <laughs> Here's here I so I read this and, and obviously I think it's ridiculous. Of course. Because these are all metaphorical things. No one's telling you to go outside, find a bird. And I'm going to say that scone thing. <laughs> <laughs> no one's actually imploring people to go out and commit violence toward animals. These are all euphemisms. But speaking of euphemisms, what PETA is really telling you is they're going to kill every reference to masturbation that we've ever invented. You, you, what they've done is you can no longer choke a chicken right <laughs> you can no longer spank a monkey well what if the monkey is you know, bad 
<laughs> what if it's a bad monkey? See, this Seems is like the this question. is the unintended consequences of this kind of action. I guess waxing dolphins is fine. Is because, it though? Are they? <laughs> <laughs> is it harmful to wax a dolphin? What about like? So you can't say beat the meat, <laughs> right? You can't. This is this is a complete, you know rending asunder of all of our best references towards masturbation. PETA is not interested in in you con- continuing to use those kinds of terms, Ty. How do you feel about PETA now? Uh, I'm just going to have to go corral my tadpole. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tadpole? <laughs> I, that was a terrible. It was just the one that was in front of me. So I, unfortunately, like you brought this up and I there's immediately was like, I needed more examples, right? There's snake cruelty. There's obviously snake cruelty. There's obviously flogging a well. It's a log, but I guess that's not. I guess that's not an animal. <laughs> well, so I'm looking for the ma- the animal ones in this surprisingly intensely long list of <laughs> options. Uh, so the animal ones I see, we've got uh, pound your flounder. That you uh, cannot do that. Peter does not want you doing that. Can't pound the bald headed moose. <laughs> wait, wait, what? I don't know. Look, man, I'm just reading it. I've never heard anyone said that, but no, that would obviously be animal cruelty. Please stop. No roping the pony. <laughs> right. No, no doing that. Yeah. See, this is this is what this is this is the kind of thing that PETA want is is trying to remove from our society. They don't really care about this. This is a this is obviously a ploy to get middle school boys <laughs> to stop talking about masturbation. Anything else interesting on that list? Because I've, I've never heard that one. Uh, well, wrestle the eel. <laughs> I mean, the list is, it's pages and pages and pages long. Really? Yeah. I was thinking about the varsity, the varsity, uh, the varsity blues yeah. um, list that was, sure. that was, that was pretty long. But, you know, people have tried to been, people have been trying to invent these euphemisms for forever. But PETA's having none of it. Well, they, there's a lot available to us. That you might not have known about. I mean, I like applying the handbrake. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that one. Uh, where did the oh, beef tips stroking off? That's a stretch. <laughs> I did not know this is how this was going to end up. I don't know if I would have signed up for this. Really? Box with box with Richard is pretty good. Box. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I've, I did. I led you down this path, and you perhaps, did. perhaps it wasn't uh, exactly where you wanted to go. It, we we went from more of a freedom of speech kind of thing to to um, just the death of all euphemisms regarding animal cruelty. For the most but, part, I'm actually okay with language evolving away from you know cruelty in general. <laughs> I just think PETA always takes it one step too far. I think if they it weren't so. They're so self-serious about everything. I think you could actually, like I said, like if you take a moment and think about feeding two birds with one scone, for instance, <laughs> you might decide it's superior. And if they presented it in sort of a, here's a jokey way, or, you know, and they were more like, wouldn't it be funny if, and I know that sounds lame because they're trying to appeal to people's, you know, obviously better angels or, or better nature. Mm-hmm. But the world is super fucked up and, like how we talk about make euphemisms for animals is not high on the list of things we need to concern ourselves with. Right. We have bigger fish to fry. (laughs) (laughs) 
I like it. That was good. Good job. Thank you. Good job. Thank you. So heading into the OT, um, we had a couple of things. Let me get back to it. Oh, I've lost the list. Um, you wanted to talk about the Army Navy uniforms. That's right. Um, Army this week. Navy. Army Navy games this week. Go Army, beat Navy. Um, my brother, who is a graduate of the United States Military Academy, so I am, I am totally down with Army. Usually they just get their ass kicked, but lately they've been pretty awesome. Um, they'll basically throw the ball four times a game. They basically run a wishbone, and it's great, and I love it. But sure, years ago Nike used to make both the Army and the Navy uniforms, and they were they were awesome, both. And then of course, um, because Mar- because the the Naval Academy's in Maryland, uh, Under Armour got their hooks into the Naval Academy and ruined their uniforms. But Nike, this year's Nike uniforms are super duper awesome. They're they're based on the first infantry division, which my brother was part of, mm-hmm. and they could not be more badass. There are these blacks, black uniforms with this big red one. They're the big red one is the first infantry division, and they're completely awesome. And I can't tell you how awesome they are because you have to go see them. Uh, they're widely available on the internet, but revel in the amazing design that, that Nike produced for Army. And they've done a great job every year uh, of getting Army some awesome uniforms. So go Nike. I'm so, boy. <laughs> with the caveat <laughs> that I have the utmost respect for anybody who chooses to serve their country and volunteers and attends any of our prestigious military academies. I don't disagree with you that these army uniforms are pretty slick. But purely as a football uniform, I think I might like the navy uniforms better. Really? I mean, I get what the army ones are awesome in a Star Wars way. Like, it's all very maybe Death Troopery. y <laughs> <laughs> um, They're cool looking, but... Everybody looks cool in black. And Big Red One is one of those made up in World One nickname World War One era nicknames that like when no one knew how to give anything a, a, a half decent name, it's like, here's the giant box. You know, it's like there was never a good name for anything because it was the first one. Right. So again, not to crap on these uniforms. I think they're pretty cool. But I just think that the degree of difficulty might have been a little easy when you're just going all black. I hear what you're saying. And and as far as Under Armour is concerned, they do generally fuck up whatever they touch. Yeah. But these particular Navy uniforms are pretty good. uh, They're mostly white. The blue hat with the gold and white stripe, center stripe. I'm a big fan of that traditional look on a football helmet. The big Ram logo, the Bill the Goat logo is cool. The shoulder patch with the navy with the the N and the star is cool. I just I like them, and they're just a little bit more. Um, I like a traditional football uniform. I love these Nike ones though. I mean, again, it's just very. I don't know. Kind of strikes me like rollerball. <laughs> <laughs> like at any given Sunday, and any given Sunday. Uh, no, because yeah. every given Sunday logo or uniforms are ugly. This is just like XFL, but not shitty. Cool looking, just not college football. I hear what you're saying. I it's, I disagree. But I think I it's all just very. Saying. I think it's very Oregon Ducks, and maybe that's the problem I have with it. Ah, uh, there, there. Now it bubbles to the surface. <laughs> there well, it I mean, comes. 
I, I, I'm just also not a big fan of what Nike is doing right now um, in some of their other endeavors. Well, all their, all their shoes have kind of gotten ugly. Yeah, stuff's like, weird right now. Like, over the last couple of years, they need to they need to dial something back. But these these uniforms ain't the problem. No, they're going to look great. They're going to look great on the field. I'm just... They're, they're I think the awesome. Navy ones are equally as cool. And I don't really understand why there's a home plate. I know it's a shield, but it looks like a home plate on the top of their helmet. <laughs> I know it's a shield. Sorry. It's all true. No disrespect to your brother. No disrespect to our fighting no, men. I don't have a I don't have a dog in this particular fight. Um, I mean, I guess my grandfather was in the army. Well, there you I go. Have to pick a side. Go army. There you okay. have it. Go army. All right. Um, and then you wanted to talk about the passage, and I don't know what that is. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So Fox is debuting a new series in the new year, and okay. if you've been watching um, football on Fox. They've been running ads for this thing called The Passage. Okay. And I don't watch network football. You don't? No. How do you watch your football? I watch the Red Zone. I mean, I'll watch the Seahawks game, but if it's at home, I'm usually there. Oh. Well, yeah. So, so is that what you're seeing? It? Is that why I'm not seeing it? Yeah. Okay. That's probably what I mean. I, I'm not watching Fox television. Well, no. I mean, are you watching <laughs> other than like, the football game? Do you watch yeah. the other game, though? Like, do you yeah. just watch two games a day? Uh-huh. I just put okay. it on, usually okay. at 10 o'clock, and then I just, yeah, I, just I do the same. I just use the Red Zone channel. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so um, it stars Mark Paul Gossler, and it's it's based on this book uh, by Justin Cronin called The Passage, which is a terrific book. It's a great summertime read. Um, unfortunately, I think the whole sort of undead apocalypse thing is kind of played out. Unfortunately, but when it was written several years ago, it was a vampire apocalypse movie. As opposed to a, as opposed to a zombie apocalypse movie. Um, you're not making me. I'm not buying into this. <laughs> you're not buying into <laughs> not this. Not so far, no. No, but it's really it's a it's a it's a well written book. Okay. And I don't know how it's going to translate into TV, but um, but I think there's a there's something there. The books are so good. There's a it's a three it's a three book um a three book set a three book trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um. And if you're looking for something to read and you're into sort of that genre of of horror, mm-hmm. um, they're definitely worth they're definitely worth a Kindle or a public library run for cool. the passage by Justin Cronin. And it's a the passage series. It's three books and um, and it's coming to I kind of part of me wishes it was HBO producing it as opposed to Fox television. Right. right. Um, the other thing is, I don't know how I'm going to be able to deal with non-bingeable, non-bingeable content. Like, am I going to be able to tune in the three weeks before it gets canceled, <laughs> or the four <laughs> weeks before it gets canceled? Um, I'm not really sure how I'm how I'm feeling about my ability to manage appointment television. Well, just record I, them all, have, and then just wait. It's not like there's a zeitgeist you need to check into. No one's like on the Zach Morris TV show tip that you're going to like ruin it for you. I watch so much Franklin and Bash every week. <laughs> it's funny that you say when, that because my, it was next, on. My, my next point about this <laughs> was that I actually like the idea of a concept like this. Um, whatever, adapting this book or, or some sort of an undead apocalypse. But take an existing property i don't you know and whatever it is franklin and bash in this case <laughs> and then just make franklin and bash become this show like have one season where it just it's the undead apocalypse begins and then use the source material from this book 
to then adapt the show but make it in the Franklin and Bash universe. It just so, runs off the rails. Yeah. Like these these two jackass lawyers yeah. in yeah. LA and then all of a sudden for four seasons it yeah. runs and, and all of a sudden an apocalypse and a undead apocalypse breaks out. And well and so now it. now we know how suits should end. <laughs> so free idea USA network. Suits should just devolve into the apocalypse. To make that it an apocalypse be, TV show. That would be amazing. I like, would watch it. I would I would tune back in. I watched the first few seasons of Suits, and I haven't watched it in years, but I would tune back in if it turned into a uh, breakdown of society television show. That's a terrific idea, because now we have a guy with a photographic memory. Mm-hmm. and a He's guy got a superpower. And a guy who's a hard ass. Right. Who would be the perfect people to deal with an apocalypse. <laughs> Holy shit, that's a, such a great idea. I can't even stand it so good. I think we should do this to a lot of um, flagging TV shows, like turn it into a space exploration drama, like if some some sort of thing is about to get canceled. Just for a season? Yeah. Just for a half a season, just relaunch it as a space drama? Like, yeah, like uh, what's that get... show with Kiefer Sutherland where he's the president? Um, designated Survivor. So that got yeah. like bought by Netflix, right? Because it got canceled, I think. Okay. Just rotate that into a nuclear bomb goes off and we all had to evacuate the Earth and he's the guy, he's like the main leader into space now. <laughs> Battlestar Galactica yeah, yeah. Like thing where there's a fleet of ships and now he has to he has to manage the politics of this this yeah this keep your cast tag. together keep your cast together and like especially when you have somebody already signed up for a couple seasons and then just pivot just hard pivot <laughs> that, this is such a terrific idea I can't believe you came up with it <laughs> I think I'm gonna go pitch it in Hollywood like this is gonna be my screenwriting job I'm the pivoter yeah. <laughs> I'm here to save your show. <laughs> no, I'm here not to save your show. I'm here to help your show die with dignity. Yes. Like, let's at least do something let's, fun. Let's at least make it interesting. Let's yeah. at least give them something to do before you cancel them. Maybe we'll have to come back with a, our top five shows to pivot. Well, I can tell you right now, fr- Friends post-apocalypse would be <laughs> a fucking amazing show. <laughs> amazing. There we go. That's what I. That's I'm. I'm. All, I'm fully on board. All right. Someday in the future. I had a couple of other small things I want to check in on as we wrap up tonight. Um, so you remember the leavings? Uh, our idea. restaurant. Yes. Our restaurant. Yes. Yes. Of um, course. And it came for, from for people. For people who are for people who aren't familiar, the leavings was our restaurant where we'd make things, and whatever was left in the pan, we'd make more things. Right. And the whole thing would be that you were ordering from the leavings of something. And <laughs> right. that would be like a lot of sauces. <laughs> <laughs> all pan sauces all the time. And this came out of, it was born from my shame that I was using a fork to essentially eat pork chop leavings out of a skillet. <laughs> but I've discovered there's a good way to do this because <laughs> I'm still doing it. Just use carrots. Just get a carrot and use a carrot to clean all of the salt and fat out of the bottom of the skillet while it's still hot, <laughs> and eat the carrot. That's terrific. That's a that's a because tr- it's it's you're using like a healthy stick to yes. eat. Yes. It, it's like um it's it's like a like a salty fatty a fun dip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I split some carrots for the kids for dinner, and they didn't eat them all, and so I was eating the carrots off their plates, and I used it to nearly get the skillet 100% clean enough to put back in the cupboard. Like, I really only had to scrub it for a few moments. 
I made a I made a cheeseburger for myself tonight. My wife got uh, some free burger patties mm-hmm. from the from the store. They were really stinking good. I don't know what the brand is, or I I'd plug them, but um, I made my burgers, put my cheese on there, and then I took the burgers out of the pan and toasted my sourdough in the fry pan <laughs> where nice. the burgers started. Term A plus. Again, a fine, that's a fine leavings, again, another a fine use of our, our, our leavings approach. Well, that's my, uh, that's my new move for roasting any kind of carrots, period. So, you know, I often, like, ro- do a lot of roast veggies, but I will cook pork chops, and while they are resting, I'll just throw a bunch of carrots in the pork chop leavings and throw it back in the oven at 400 degrees for five minutes, and then you have delicious, salty, roasted carrots. I I think the French approve. I think they've been doing it. I think they've. I think. I think you've discovered the very basis of French cooking right there. That's the whole thing. Use that tasty sauce you already have in there to make this other thing good. It's a, it's you know it's it's a time honored tradition. God bless them. Speaking of being old and doing old man old old person things, which I think this qualifies. I wanted to check in on that too. We talked in the past about being officially old. And I realized that I've developed a bit of a habit that I wanted to share with you that I thought perhaps you had considered in the past. So you've heard me complain about how things are poorly packaged before um, and that we can do a lot of improvements there. And so I find that there's a few things that I now buy and immediately I don't even wait. Like I don't even wait till I open them. I just take them out of whatever they came in and put them in something else. Um, Batteries come out of that stupid cardboard blister pack thing immediately and generally go in like a Ziploc bag with all the batteries of their ilk and any sort of pins or push pins, thumbtacks kind of thing, whatever the bullshit it came in, like that goes in the garbage immediately. And all the pins go in like a, a, a small Tupperware. That's, that is really an old, old man, <laughs> an old man move. So for right? Christmas, if you want to give me one of those little wall things with the pullouts, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so I can put all my stuff in it. <laughs> you should. I don't know where I heard this. But it's not me, but the uh, someone said, when I was a kid, my dad had jars and jars of screws and nails yeah. and shit. And, like, I have none of that. Like, my, like what, what, what were they doing? What, were, what, what, was my, what, was, what was your dad doing that he would have, like... I'm not the person to ask. My father's a contractor. A dozen, yeah, well, I know. Okay, so it's obvious why. He, but why would any regular dad have just jars and jars of screws and nails and shit lying around? Because like, if you own a home long enough, you buy things. And if you're trying to do stuff yourself, um, you don't know how much of anything to buy the first time. <laughs> so you end up with like way too much. Like the that's 500 pack of screws. Right. You think you need like a huge box and you need like 10 screws. <laughs> Because you don't really understand like the size of the project, and you don't want to have to go to the store twice, and you use ten of those screws. Trust me, I have boxes of fasteners laying around. I eventually actually get through most everything that I ever buy, and because I, I don't buy anything else until I've used up that giant box. What are you using it for, man? I, the fence comes fasteners? apart. I, yeah, the stuff is coming. The house comes apart. You got to screw it back together. <laughs> <laughs> screws are life, baby. I have man. I fix don't know. Fix a door frame. Fix some Jeez. steps. I don't know what the hell I'm doing right or wrong that I don't have any of that. Impact shit. driver and just a couple of screws will fix damn near anything in the house. <laughs> impact driver? What's an impact driver? Uh, like a drill, but it's much easier to handle. It's like half the size, um, and it can it can retorque the screw so you can actually like 
drive it into uh, the thing. You're, you're. Man, I don't know. You're talking about like real man shit. I don't <laughs> have any. I know. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't. You know. No, I don't know how that works. I understand what spells a you know a, a level eight wizard in Pathfinder <laughs> Kingmaker can can cast, but I have no idea like what impact driver is. That's I don't know what that. It's like real stuff. I cast magic missile. <laughs> <laughs> man, that is like first level shit, man. That is not. Come on, your eighth level wizard is not casting magic missile. <laughs> That's our show. Our thanks to all of you for listening to the Two on Three pod. Please know that we appreciate tremendously the time you choose to spend with us each week. If you don't already, please subscribe and or review us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. And don't be shy about sharing your thoughts and suggestions for the show. We'll be back next time with more shenanigans. And until then, peace. Peace.